Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. All right. Um, Lord, uh, help us, lead us, guide us, teach us, instruct us, build us, change us, uh, renew our mind, and give us the ability to see some things that we couldn't see unless we were under preaching and teaching of the Word. God, exceed my limitations. And I pray, God, now that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, let the word to my mouth, meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength, you're my redeemer. Every glad heart say amen. Okay, Matthew 14, verse 22 to 32. Remember, read with power, diction, conviction, unity, ready, Read. The conclusion uh, or the end result of being on the correct path that God sets you on is you should end with a worship lifestyle. Everything we're going to talk about today and everything in the path is to help you have a greater relationship with Jesus, a greater revelation of Jesus, help someone else uh, in their revelation with, with Jesus. But it, 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 it costs you to give your whole life, not just a moment um, uh, like I'm in the, the song services, like the worship service. No, it's all the worship service. And beyond here, it's your lifestyle of worship. Everything is worship, okay? So the greater your relationship with Jesus or revelation of Jesus, the more you will worship him. I hope after you hear us go through this text that you will know something about Jesus and his character and characteristics and the way he flows that you didn't know before. But you also know something about yourself. Knowing yourself um, is critical toward really serving God in the most profound way. Then I want you to see, instead of uh, viewing that God is allowing something turbulent to happen in your life, I want you to say that the things that are going on in your life are designed to help you grow. Everything, everything is not designed to break you, but to make you and to grow you. And 
And when your growth is at its height, you will not be afraid to go out and present yourself and do everything that God told you to do. You're actually going to go and do it with confidence, and it's going to be a spiritual act of worship. Remember, the number one fear that people have is that fear of public speaking. And one of, one of the number one things we have to do as believers is go preach the gospel. And it's kind of in that way. So, all right, as we get into the text, okay, let me, let me set the stage. The greatest miracle the disciples had ever seen has already taken place. They've been walking with Jesus for a couple of years. Jesus gets to a field, 5,000 men. You count the women and children, it's 25 or 30,000 people. He multiplies five loaves and two fish. No. Yeah. Five loaves, two fish. And he does something they've never seen before. They may have seen some people healed, demons cast out, but they just hadn't seen a tangible miracle like multiplying bread and fish. They see this, everybody's eating, and here's the response of the people according to John 6 version. They wanted to make him king. I want to show you that when the church has extraordinary things happen, one of the weaknesses is of society and the church itself is to say, now we need political action. Here it is, Jesus knew they wanted to make him king, and he dismissed himself from their presence, and he tells his disciples, I want you to go to the other side. There is always uh, intent. The world, the world sees the good in the church, and sometimes it wants to use it for what appears to be a good purpose, but it is not initiated by God. God or Jesus had the opportunity to set up political power on earth many times, but he did not. Believers should be in politics. Believers should do things that, uh, that are civil servants, but it shouldn't do it by divorcing itself from the church's objective or its mission to actually demonstrate and present the gospel. That is our exclusive thing. Everything else is a secondary benefit. Y'all didn't say a lot of amens on that, but that's okay. No, 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 hey, you didn't mean that. Okay, so he dismisses them. The first, verse, chapter 22 helps us begin to understand something about Jesus. His disciples, who had never seen him do something quite this grand, this is a pretty big crowd, are probably as blown away as everybody else. And you don't see them in the Scripture actually protesting to what is desired. You don't see them saying, and Peter piped up, no, this is not the reason the Son of Man has come. You almost see their silence as agreement. And Jesus didn't just tell them to go home, go to Capernaum, go the eight-mile journey across the lake. He, the Bible says he has to make them go. He has to compel them to go. He has to convince them to go. He has to use not his godly strength, but his human strength, his ability to convince them that I don't care what's going on in the world, and I don't care how big the miracle gets, and I don't care what's going on in your personal life that would cause you to want to park here and stay here. We're going to separate ourselves 
from what man wants, and we're going to go home so that we can be all about what God the Father wants. So it doesn't matter that you don't want to go. It doesn't matter that you need to finish cleaning up and fixing stuff and dismiss the crowd. you got to move on. The first thing you need to know about Jesus is he's a man of authority. He's a man that can't be pushed around. He's a man that does not bend to the will of those who love him or serve him. He's the one who exercises his will in our life. If you're going to be on the path with God, you've got to recognize something. He's not taking your vote or your opinion about what's next at all. He made them go. He made them leave. Then I, I can imagine somebody saying, well, who's going to do all the work that we normally do? Jesus said, I've got it. I'll dismiss the crowd. Uh, leadership lesson from Jesus. There are times when obeying Jesus doesn't make natural sense, but it still is obedience. And whatever Jesus tells you to do things like this, he also equips you to, to see it fulfilled. Jesus could handle the crowd. There's this thing in humanity that says we can only handle the things in life when everything is perfect. You got the perfect amount of money, the perfect amount of staff, the, 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 the perfect amount of education, the, the perfect amount of uh, motivation and influence. But, but, but Jesus is showing you that all you really need is to understand your assignment and you can do exceeding and great things. One man could dismiss all of those people, keep his family or his disciples safe, keep the crowd from, for, the Bible says they were forcibly coming to make him king, like grab him, pick him up, put him on their shoulders and say, we're going for a revolt. Jesus is able to dismiss the scheme of the enemy who was always trying to say, if you bow down and worship me, I can make you king. I can give you all this. He's dismissing him. Jesus, what you need to know about, he's a man of authority. He's a man of leadership. He's a man of order. He's a man that's not afraid to do the hard things. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. And as he's making them go home, he himself goes in a mountain to pray. This is the best of news. He's showing us what our lives should look like. When's the last time you've been on the mountain? Because on the path of doing the will of God, Jesus is frequently teaching his disciples and anyone who will finally read about these events that he's always going away to get into his prayer closet on a prayer mountain and get rejuvenated from God. You know, John the Baptist, his cousin, had just been beheaded. Can you imagine anybody in your family having a violent death? He was human and he was fully God. And he had emotion. It didn't stop him from doing his work. But guess what? That's fatiguing. That's emotionally draining. Everybody wants something from you. No matter how strong you think you are in this room, Jesus had the most ultimate strength, and he went and got replenished by God the Father. When's the last time you've been to the mountain? When's the last time you visited that holy place 
where angels could come minister to you. God could give you a word that brings light and life. God can give you a vision of what's coming upon you next. God can show you what's on his heart because the Bible says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. The intercession means to interview. That means he's in a conversation with God about what's on his heart, and God is telling him what's on his heart. And then he says, God says he searches for a man to stand in the gap, and he finds none. But Jesus says, I'll stand in the gap. I'll petition for these people. See, he is doing the work of being rejuvenated and getting life through his devotional life. If you're going to be on a path of God, you're going to have to have a devotional life. You are going to have to pray. And guess what? No one can do your praying for you. Your mom can't do it. Your dad can't do it. The pastor can't do it. There's a point that you are going to have to say that the intercessors have it taken care of, that I've got to get alone and go to a solitary place and lock in with the Lord so that I can handle what's going on in life. He was interceding. That's what I want you to know about him. The other thing I want you to know is he made those disciples, this is funny, he made them go into the storm. The Bible says in all of the versions that the water was rough, the winds were blowing. They'd only, they, they had gotten, you know, maybe four miles out and you got waves and you got storms. I've been to Israel into that little that, that uh, Sea of Galilee that is so surrounded by mountain range and the wind just comes in in a moment and just whips everything around. And there should have been a cross by now. Eight miles, it should take maybe an hour. But they're not. Here's the thing I want you to understand. Jesus had to know he was sending them into a storm. They, as fishermen who had fished on this lake their whole life, could discern the time of day. They probably could do that thing where you just touch your finger and you put it in. Yep, yep, it's coming. They could do all of that. They knew. They probably were a little bit tense that Jesus is moving this celebratory moment to such a serious go-home moment. They had a lot of different emotions, but they went. And I want you to know something about Jesus. He sends you into a storm, not because they sinned, not because there was iniquity, not because um, of something he was angry with them about, not because he was unaware, but because he wanted to grow them. He wanted to grow them. And greatest growth, I'm I'm, I'm, going to add something to that growth. He didn't just want to grow them, he wanted to promote them. And here he is sending them into the storm, And they're losing the battle. And the Bible says, I believe in the 24th verse, the boat was already a considerable distance, and it was buffeted by waves uh, because of the wind was against it. In other words, another scripture says it was tormented. They were tortured, and they were pained by waves. It's one thing to be in a storm. It's another thing when the storm is beating you to pieces. This is not just a storm uh, where it'll blow over over time. No, this, this storm was, was lasting a long time. How do you know? Because the 25th verse says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them walking on the lake. Now, I'm a, shortly before dawn means they had to be out there at least six hours already. At least. Maybe longer. He's coming in the fourth watch of the night. That means not only did he set up the 
did he, was he cognizant of the fact that you would be in a storm? He was cognizant of the fact that he wasn't in the boat. The last time the disciples were in a storm, Jesus was at least in the boat. At least he came out of the boat and he said, peace be still. But this time, instead of Jesus being in the boat where he was very present to be reached, he's somewhere off interceding. He's growing the disciples to teach them that whether he is physically and tangibly right there or whether he is by the Father up in heaven interceding for them, that the power and his ability to save them out of any trouble remains the same. You might be feeling today that Jesus is very far from you, and it may be factual in a physical sense, but I'm telling you right now that because he ever liveth to make intercession for you, that in your weakness he's made strong, he is right there at the right time to rescue you. He comes walking on the very thing that's paining you, on the very thing that's beating you, on the very thing that's hurting you, on the very thing that is collapsing your faith, on the very thing that is proving that you are lacking faith because you cannot remember because of the pain of the waves, you cannot remember that the last time that you were in a storm, all he said to do is have faith and speak to the storm and it'll, it'll go away. You're not, only, you're not only not speaking to the storm, you're not even crying out to God. You know, pain and storms could be of such a nature that they just cause you to forget everything that you should do. You ever been in a car accident, and instead of calling out Jesus, you just hollered out? You weren't believing that the only help you can get was coming from him. You weren't believing that that deliverance was in his name. You were just hollering out. Jesus comes walking on the water. He grows you through the fight. You know, this reminds me of my mom. Now, the story I'm about to tell you is just for your enjoyment and illustration, not for your practice. One day, my sister got into a fight on the school bus because some boy had slapped me, and she went to whooping on him, and, and I'd gotten home. She's still out there fighting, and my mom said, where's your sister? I said, she's out there fighting. She said, why are you home? I said, because it's a fight. She said, you left your sister? I said, yes. She was doing all right when I left. <laughs> she said, um, you can't just leave your sister in a fight. But then my sister came home, and I said, there's no need for me to go. And my mom says, you've been running your whole life. You're going to grow up. She said, um, he lived across the street from us, the boy. She said, I want you to go over there and, and fight him. I said, mom, I mean, it's over. <laughs> And she said, no, no, go fight him. And I said, okay. Uh, so I went out there and said, hey, man, you was hitting on my sister. And he just slapped me again, and I came back home. Mama, he slapped me. I mean, it's, it's the second time. I mean, it's over. I mean, I'm going to go up there to eat. <laughs> she said, no, you're going to go out there and fight him again. I said, mama, I can't, he's bigger. I can't beat him. I'm okay with, with he's better. She said, go fight him again. And I went back over to his house and I said, come on, man. Come on, let's fight. Let's fight. And, and he smiled. I went home happy. I said, Mom, I did everything you told me to do. He's changed his ways. <laughs> he, he doesn't want to fight. And I'm okay with it. He's okay with it. We probably would never fight again because he knows I'm not a fighter. And she said, listen to me. You're going to fight him today. She said, um, 
go over there and find him. And I went. I said, he already said he won't fight me. She said, see his little brother out there? She said, this is the part I'm telling you. It's an illustration. <laughs> it's not something you're supposed to do. She said, I want you to take your hand. I said, I want you to slap him like he slapped you. And she said, then he'll fight you. I went out there. Bam. And revelation hit me as to why my mom would have me do this. Because the fear that makes you run didn't come faster than the fear that makes you survive. And instead of going this way where he can get me from the back, I went this way. And I started swinging and hitting, and that man went home like I did. And I, my mom said, you grew that day. She said, from this day forward, you never be afraid of anybody. She said, you don't back down, and you're not called to run. She said, there's always going to be someone to try to intimidate you. She said, you don't, you don't fight, but you don't back down from one. And she was teaching me that. Now, while the illustration may be extreme, depending upon your, the situation or the city you grew up in, <laughs> imagine his disciples who cannot understand what he's growing them for. He's not running them. He, they had already experienced storms. He's taking them back to another fight with another storm, not because it's supposed to defeat them, because they're supposed to learn to defeat the storm. Now, you're, 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 you're not convinced. I'm going to convince you because your amen is weak. No matter what knowledge they had previously about what to do in a storm, they weren't doing it. And Jesus comes down from the place of intercession, and he says, I'm going to give them an illustration of what to do in this fight. He doesn't speak from the mountain, hear me. He does not speak from the mountain, Lord, will you please calm the sea for them? Because he's growing them. They've got to learn something in this season, in this moment. He comes down and he begins to walk on that which is beating them. He begins to make a path toward them on the very thing that's telling them they will not progress. He's telling them exactly what they have the power to do through demonstration. And Jesus begins to walk on the water. And I'm sure when Jesus walked on the water, he didn't walk in weakness. He didn't walk with a stern face like water, get out of my way. Jesus is the definition of smooth. Jesus walked on the water and slid. Just a little slide. It's a little slide. I'm just trying to tell you that whatever was in Jesus' way in nature, the law of nature, it had to alter because he had an assignment and he was on assignment to teach his disciples something. And as he was growing them, walking on a path toward them on the very thing that was beating them, the Bible says he kept walking as if he was going to pass them. I believe what he was doing is giving them a moment to recognize who he was and still pass the test. 
I don't believe that he was trying to play games with him. I believe he was trying to tell him, hey, guys, look. You don't need to worry about these waves and winds that's trying to stop you. Look at me. But they couldn't perceive him because when you stay in pain, in misery, more than a word of God, the word was go to the other side. And when you get a word from God, you cannot be stopped. It cannot be altered. It must accomplish that where to you sit. It must prosper everywhere you go. That's why I na- love our name, Every Nation. In the name of Pastor Rice's book, In Our Generation. When that prophetic announcement goes out, that means we have the ability, whether 40 years or in two years, to reach every nation. And we do not stop until we reach every nation in our generation because we have a word. The path cannot be altered because the word is there. He does not come and jump in the boat. He does not come and call to him right away. He comes and lets them get a vision of who he is, but they cannot perceive him because they don't know him. And they don't know him because they spend too much time interacting with what he does versus who he is. And now he's trying to show them who he is. He's the water-walking son of the living God. Won't you believe me? Won't you perceive me? Don't you see what I got control over? And all of a sudden, their response is, it's a ghost! (laughs) It's a ghost! They were afraid of their answer. Like we're afraid of a Christian counselor. We're afraid of a pastor. We're afraid of a discipler. We're afraid of our spouse that has the word of life in their mouth. Who's got God's answer walking towards you with a successful marriage or a successful business or successful parenting? And you're looking at them like they're some anomaly in life instead of they're your answer about what you can do on the path. God always gives you examples of people who are defeating that which defeats you. Jesus is saying, I'm not just going to tell you what you can do. I'm going to show you what you can do. There are marriages in your life that are more successful than yours that can show you. There are businessmen and women here who can show you what to do. There are people who prosper because they tithe, they give offerings. They're so generous that they're always blessed, and they show you their path. But it's up to you. Will you follow it? The strongest Christians in our church, they're in life groups. Somebody just say, I'm not strong Christian, but I'm in a life group. Well, you're the strongest Christian when your life is not just about you. Being on the path is not just, ooh, I got mine, I'm gone. No, it's making sure everyone makes it. Jesus is not leaving his disciples behind. He's going to get his sons. He's going to get them. Look at this, he's walking on the water. And you know, when he recognizes that they don't see him right, the right way, he yells out to them. He gives them a second word. I love this. He doesn't fix the storm. I know you've been wanting him just to get rid of the storm, but don't you get it by now? He set you up in the storm. He's not getting rid of the storm. He's going to teach you to walk on the storm. He's not getting rid of it. And he, gives, he said, hey, 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 take courage. It is I. That's what he says. 
He goes back to what he said to, uh, to uh, Moses in the devil. He said, I am that I am. I'll be known by this name forever. I am what you need. All you got to do is cry out to me. I'll solve your problem. All you got to do is believe the word I've already given you. All you got to do is speak to this mountain and say, be, speak to the sea and say, be peace. All you got to do is remember, take heart, take courage. I am. I'm what you need. I'm here. I'm not going to get in fight your battle. I want you to fight it because I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'm not going to let you fall. See, this is the moment. And so what he does is say, take courage, it's me. Now they're going to grow up. Peter, in the middle of the storm, recognizes this Jesus. This is when we're going to go to another level. This is a gold moment. He said, all right, now he's getting his mind back. Couldn't think, you can't think in a storm sometimes. But now you see something of Peter. Peter's starting to think and talk. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I ain't been recognizing the right stuff. If that's you, tell me the word I need in order to do exactly what you're doing as my discipler. Tell me to come to where you're at because the vantage point I have in the boat that seems to be safe is rocky and it's, I'm stuck and I'm not going anywhere. But in the middle of the storm, I've decided not to let the storm win. I decided to speak to you in my storm when I got stuck. And now that I see you clearly, if I'm thinking right and if I'm perceiving this moment right, you're trying to grow me to another level. So if you say to me, come, I know I let you down by not responding to the word to go to the other side. I, I may have disappointed you because I didn't make it to the other side. But I'm asking you not to give up on me. Give me another word that tells me to come to where you're at now. And I think if you give me a little jump start on that, I can do it. He said, all right, come. Can you imagine the moment Peter gets the word and without hesitation? You all you know something you're noticing? He starts stepping out of the boat. He doesn't say, now, Jesus, when I come, are you going to flatten it? Is the wind going to stop? Will I stand on the tip of the, the storm? Like, give me, like, the, your game plan for when I come out because I don't want to get it wrong and then it, it, it messes up. No. Simple word. See, it already, Jesus was already giving them a vision. A vision. He said, whatever I'm doing, you can do. When you're looking at your discipler, when you got your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, the perfecter of your faith, he, he began saying, no, no, come. He jumped on out of that boat and he starts walking to Jesus he starts walking the same pathway Jesus is walking. He, dis, he stops being concerned about the wind and the waves and the storm, and he starts focusing on his intimacy and his relationship with God. 
I know that he believed that the safest place was no longer in the boat is wherever Jesus is. So when you're in the middle of your storm, stop looking for secular solutions. Where's the life raft? Where's the life preserver? Who's the lifeguard? Who can help me in the midst of the storm? I called my mama, my daddy, my auntie, my cousin, and them. I got everybody called, the counselor, and nobody has showed up because he's trying to get you to look to Jesus, the author and finisher, so that you can get your leg out the boat and start walking on water because it's your destiny, it's your calling, it's what he wants you to do to win. So Peter's out and God has given him credit for his faith. He's like, can you imagine the enjoyment? The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. Can you imagine how pleased he is? Can you imagine how proud God is? Can you imagine God, God at one, Jesus at one point thinking about his manhood and his divinity, saying, Father, you see this? Gabriel, you see this? Ooh, this is going to be written. Oh, okay, come on, feet. You can do it. Just like you on training wheels. When you first take your training wheels off, he's got you going. He's got, then he lets you go. That's what he did when he let the disciples get down there on the storm. The first time he was in the boat with them, this is the time when he took the training wheels off. They can do it on their own. And now, now there, he, he, he's out there on his own, the pride. And all of a sudden, God lets the waves get stronger. The wind blows. Can you imagine? The wind has a sound. And all of a sudden, he does this. Jesus is where the camera is. The waves are coming this way, and he no longer sees Jesus. And the scripture says he didn't drop into the depths of the water. He began to sink. Sink denotes a slower movement down. It seems as if the more you focus on Jesus, the more firm your step is into nothing. And it seems like the more you're turned away from Jesus, the slower you start going down. But there's a grace point where you're not utterly cast down, for the Lord shall uphold you with his hand. A good man steps out, ordered by the Lord. And though he fall, he's not utterly cast down, for the Lord shall uphold him with his right hand. See, God's mercy, he knows the wave is coming in Peter 6, but he does the smartest thing. I still want to give Peter credit. He does the smallest thing. He said, Lord, save me. Man, do you know they was out there for six hours and nobody said, Lord, save me. They had lost their way and lost their mind, but he got it all back. He not only had a trip walking on the water, his problem, but he learned the lesson. He grew up. Whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He grabs Peter, puts him in a boat, and the scripture says immediately they were at the other side, four miles away. Jesus is giving them a profoundly great lesson about what it means to be walking with him on a path. When you know who he is and you can fix your eyes on Jesus, the offer and the finisher, when you can cry out to him and you can get his intimate intercession, which is your ultimate uh, uh, zap button in life, you can get where you got to go no matter what storm face. 
You know, the Bible says to Peter, Peter said, uh, uh, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as weak. He didn't say, but I went and rebuked him. I went and grabbed him by his ear and said, you touch Peter. That's my man. No, he said, but I pray for you. Don't worry about this. He interceded for us. Don't worry about this. That your faith fail you not. That you don't fail to hear my words to say go or come and then act on them. Reach the city and touch the world. Act on it. Every time you do it, it'll work. Go into every nation. Every time you act on it, every time your heart moves toward it, every time you move toward another ethnicity, you will be 100% successful. And anything that comes against that word to this house is a lie from the pit of hell. He has called you to be a diverse people. And every time you reach out to somebody that doesn't look like you, something in their heart's going to say, I'm supposed to respond. It is your divine inheritance. They got to the other side. But I will end with this. Stand to your feet. I'm going to end the way I began. You know, one of my most pleasant parts of this message is verse 33. We'll just read that last one together. Ready? Read. You know, all he did made them worship. All he did helped them know who he was. Helped them grow up. Helped them go to the other side. He set them on a path that was unchanging, unalterable. He loves you so much. He cares for you so much. Don't you get it? But you were made to worship. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And be no longer conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove it is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What is he trying to say to you, church? What is he trying to say to me? The storm is just a promotion. It's not, it doesn't have any opportunity to really defeat you. Your storm in your marriage, it cannot defeat you. Your storm with your addiction, it cannot defeat you. Your health problems cannot defeat you. And though your enemy rise up and boast about what he can do, I'm here to boast about what God can do through you, to you, for you. He's greater. Greater is he. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. The ministry team come down. You may be wondering, who is this called for? It was always for all of us. I don't know. What's been beating against you? I don't know what's been walking you down and haunting your life. I don't know. But I know this. There's a grace and an anointing and a breakthrough in the house that, that you, if you needed that extra encouragement like Peter, somebody walking, he's walking up here. If you need an extra word, take courage. Don't be afraid. That word is here. But I dare you to be like Peter. 
and walk out of the circumstance you've been in and walk in to what he's called you to. This is not about man. This is not about your neighbor. This is about you prophetically saying, I will no longer be beat by the storm. Some of you have been stolen from and you think your inheritance of the, in, in life is just to live out life with less. Walk on your storm. Somebody's stolen your marriage, stolen your peace, stolen everything. And as long as you let the storm beat on you, you'll be beat up. But if you need a breakthrough today, healing, salvation, deliverance, I don't care what it is that God might be stirring in your heart, then I'm going to pray. And at the end of my prayer, just run down here and get some prayer from some anointed people who care about you. Lord Jesus, break your people free. They are water walkers. They are powerful individuals. I break the lie the enemy has told them that this is their lot in life. You told us last week you'll see this enemy no more now forever. You broke us free and we walk in that freedom. Give us the word of life again. Give us another chance. If you need prayer of any kind, if you need a breakthrough from God, just come on down. We want to minister to you. Come down now. Come. Just worship for one minute. Turn your eyes come. Upon yes. Jesus. Receive ministry. Come. Wherever you're at. Thank you. Look full in His wonderful face. Come. Break free. Be 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 free. Right. Come. You win this battle. You're winning. You're a winner. Yes. In the name of Jesus. I, man, I don't like to bother people that the Holy Spirit bothering me. I declare in the name of Jesus that that which holds people back from getting to their destination going to the other side, going to their ministry, going to their career, going to nations. God, I'm rebuking that stronghold of the enemy in the name of Jesus. I bind them up. I cast them out of the heart, the mind, and the will. I pray, God, that people will prophetically respond with a yes to their nation, yes to their calling, yes to what you want them to do. God, let another wave of breakthrough hit this place. Take 30 more seconds and worship God and come. Come out of your seat. Come out of the dark. Come into his marvelous light. Turn your eyes That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Watch him do it. Thank you. Come in Jesus' name. That's right. Yes. 
have a ministry. Yes, you have it. You're not faking it. That burden is from God. That burden is from God. Your, that burden is from God. That was the right move. Yes. Yes. That burden is from the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Ten more seconds if anybody needs to come. service I'm at the dismissal if you're praying just stay praying but you know all this listen to me I can sense the inner struggle some of you have and you count this is just another moment in a string of moments where you've done something and your life has not been changed and I want to tell you, I don't care if you have to do this a hundred more times till you say yes to being everything Jesus wants you to be, then that's what it takes. But every time you step out, you're declaring to the enemy, to yourself, that you no longer live in isolation, you no longer live alone, you no longer live tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. As you go today, I'm praying that you would hear Jesus calling on your life, calling you to the path. In this church, the people on the stage are not the most significant. What you do in your neighborhood, on your workplace, and going out to, that is significant. You are significant. You are important. Don't give up just because you didn't get what you wanted the first time. Go out again. Go fishing again. Start another life group again. No one came to your first one, but you prayed for a lot of people. You'll get somebody. Keep fishing. Keep fishing. This Wednesday night, you need to come back. We're going to be finishing up with identity. You need to flood this place. You need to be at the Monday Bible study if you're a woman. You need to be with whatever you can in the life group. Lord, I pray as we leave this place, you would go with us. You will keep us in the center of your will, the apple of your eye. And we'll give you praise for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to hug three people. And I want you to let them know that you're a water walker. Three people, let them know you're a water walker. See you on Wednesday night. If you're new to Bethel, I'll meet you right here on my left, your right, under the sign. If you're new to Bethel, I'll meet you for the first time right here.